Hello and welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Party. I'm Charles and before I get started, let's roll the intro. All right. So, today I'm changing things up just a little bit. And when I say changing things up, I mean I'm bringing it back home. And there's no better way to really bring it back home than to talk about a home. And the home I'm talking about is the Pine Needles Residence. So this is designed by Nakshab Development and Design. And it's located in Del Mar, California. So what really stood out to me about this particular little building is that, well, it's a cute little house. It's got its own sort of flair to it. It's got every everything about it is unique and it reflects what I like to call the new generation of housing. So where I'm gonna go with that is um, I think I talked about this in the last time I talked about a house, which was uh, Los Terrenos. And what's really striking me now about the changes in how housing is done is that we're no longer focusing on the style of a cookie cutter home. So what you're probably imagining as a house or a home is, believe it or not, probably not what homes should be. So, the benefits and problems of the sort of cookie-cutter home, as I, I like to call it, is if you have to move, it's not necessarily easy to leave a uh, sort of standard home but it's doable because you're moving somewhere else that's either better or or what's the word for it better bigger or in a better location all that fun stuff but when you move you may miss this that or the next thing about your home but you're not necessarily going to miss a whole ton of stuff. The, the thing with custom designed homes is that instead of this, um, let's build it, or let's just build it and someone will figure out how they want to use each room and for what, it's built with the end user in mind. It's cut, and that's part of the charm to it. But I could, I can see right now you ha you have the slight problem of if someone decides that um, they're in a stuck position, then or if someone has to move, then all of a sudden this thing that was custom built for them is no longer usable or no longer theirs to have. It, could, it would also change the way home markets work because instead of having um, a bunch of identical homes on identical streets, 
to choose from. You have um, different, unique, each with their own flavor homes. So, to some degree, this could raise some architectural problems, but it's it's all a matter of how you want to look at it. I'm, there are obviously there are benefits to each, but the only homes I'm going to talk about here are the ones that have special bits. So one ones that if I drive by, I might I'll slow down and look at, or possibly park the car and get out and look at, rather than just an, just another house, not the one I'm looking for. Life goes on. So, this house, as I said, was designed by Nakshab Development and Design in Del Mar, California. Has a really big daylight focus, which is something I like and dislike at the same time. Daylight has its advantages, but untamed, it can cause problems. So... It's all, it's all a little bit of interesting stuff, especially with the way daylight works. So some applications, obviously, you don't necessarily want to have that daylight, but that that's not necessarily um, common in this type of application. So what gives me the idea of the daylight focus is that you have a couple of spots where there are atriums and courtyards in use to sort of drag extra drag extra attention to the building. They just say drag extra attention to the outdoors from within the building. Sorry. Um, focusing on instead of saying, oh, this is this is your home, the outdoors are out there, it's, the outdoors are out there and in here, but they're still out there. So, what, what gives it the special piece is that the atriums that I'm talking about, you have your, you have the rocks, you have a little bit of, you have some plants there, enough to make it look sort of interesting. Now, the thing that I'm not as big of a fan on about, what's the word for it? Um, and if you happen to hear creaking in the background, that happens to be my um, chair. It's not exactly perfect um, and squeakless, so the world we live in. But each of the, each of the atriums it's I almost want to call it like a fish tank except instead of fish you have the outside the great outdoors inside of your very own house so it's a very interesting way to bring daylight in and before I go completely on the uh, thing with all of the connections that this has to the outdoors I'm going to um, talk for a moment about the other daylight focus that it has, and that's floor-to-ceiling windows 
in basically every single room of the house. Yeah, most of us are used to um, going back to the sort of standard homes thing, having a window here, a window there, um, going over to the window, looking out the window. But imagine that one wall of your bedroom was just window. Now, obviously, if it is your obviously if it is your bedroom, you are going to have some sort of curtain and whatnot so that you can move it out so you can keep the uh, close off your bedroom when need be. But just imagine the possibility of having when a full wall of just natural light in the beautiful outdoors. So, if you're waking up in the morning, instead of, let's sit up and look at the TV and the dresser, it's a, you sit up, and when you sit up, you look at a, you look at the great outdoors. So, you start your day off basically inside, but in nature. Which has its own special perks and whatnot. Now, going back to the sort of whole connections with the outdoors idea, this building has a lot of them. So the kitchen and the living room both have full wall operable partitions. And what these operable partitions do is really separate, uh, not separate, but remove the separation between the rooms and the outdoors. So your kitchen becomes your patio with just the movement of glass. So on the on a chilly winter's day, you can look out at the uh, patio and the pool without any issue but for the indoors or but for the when it's really nice out you can just open that door up and go straight from kitchen to outside no problem and this same sort of operable uh, partition wall exists also in the living room on the second floor and in, except instead of the patio, it's connecting to a deck outside with a little bit of um, sort of lounge type furniture to be able to sit back and have, let's say, either a larger conversation or taking a conversation and having it outside. So I'm sure there are a few people who've gone to... Um, I don't know, little uh, get-togethers that happen to be a little bit larger than um, just a few people. So let's let's say you have um, you're having a sort of house party and you got thirty people there. While they may not fit into or all fit into one living room easily, there's always the possibility that you can, in this particular house, just slide the partition out of the way, assuming it's decent out, and 
all of a sudden you have yourself your very own little indoor-outdoor combination area. So the indoors are outdoors and the outdoors are indoors. Nothing like a uh, seamless connection between the two. I, I mentioned before that the two bedrooms happen to have, each of them happen to have um, visual and I believe um, sliding direct access to the patio. The master bedroom, instead of having patio access, has its own little deck, which is a cute little feature to have. Start off your day, focus on the outdoors, and maybe that's the first thing you do when you get out of bed instead of get out of bed and uh, drag over to brush your teeth. Get out of bed, walk out, or walk straight outside to the deck that's there, and look at what look at the views that greet you. And I, personally, I can't think of an. I think that would be a very nice option. I know it's not an option for me to get up and first thing I do is uh, stand outside, but. I think it would be really nice. Now, the last thing that sort of got me, I mentioned that there is a courtyard area, but the courtyard area is on the first, located on the first level, so you can exit from the first level to maintain the uh, little courtyard area with the rocks and the plants. But it spans both levels right next to the staircase. And while it's while you can view the plants from the second floor, it also has a connection to the patio because it abridges that little patio area. So you can lean over and look in the courtyard with a um, glass railing keeping you from actually um, going into the courtyard or falling down into the courtyard. Bonus points if you do if you happen to be taking a picture of the, whatever plant is there and you accidentally drop your phone, no worries, you can access it. You just have to go down a flight of stairs or possibly take the elevator that's located inside. Yes, there is an elevator in the house there. And I've, I've commented time and time again that my dream house does have an elevator in it. And this one does as well. So for me, my reasoning on having an elevator in my house is that if I happen to be, let's say I happen to be moving something that's extraordinarily heavy and I can't get everyone I need or anyone I need to uh, help with it, I could use that to move something um, around. So let's say I have to change out an appliance on the second floor from a from the garage on the first floor. Problem solved, right? But as nice as that would be, that's not the only reason why I'd want it, and not exactly the primary reason either. So my goal with having an elevator is to make sure that when I do have my dream home, that it's really my forever home. I don't want the home to suddenly become unusable just because, I don't know, I decided to get old and can't walk up and down the stairs as easily. 
I don't want it to be, oh, I, I have to move somewhere else because now I have to bring laundry to up and down stairs and I can't do that anymore. No, having the elevator would fix that problem. Obviously, with the elevator would come additional maintenance and um, additional energy use. But if you can, um, if you make, if you're making the rest of the thing passive, and I believe this is a LEED certified building, then realistically speaking, you should be pretty good. This chair can be really annoying too. Aside from those couple of things, I mentioned that it's got a patio with a uh, slight little pool and hot tub combination. Um, the fireplace has, that's in the living room that connects with the outdoors, has a uh, sandstone sort of type to it. So the it, it looks interesting, fits in with the rest of the aesthetic of the house and the um, sort of local landscaping that's there local materials, and I appreciate that. And also having the block with the fireplace functioning as the chimney, connecting with the outside as well, it really does help also to sort of make that space seamless when you open up the partition and bridge the indoors and the outdoors. So, um... Last couple of things I want to talk about are more of little aesthetic things. So instead of your usual drywall roof or unfinished wood um, ceilings, you have, at least on the second floor in the living space there, you have a wooden ceiling that actually bridges to the outdoors as well. And that that's another thing I like. It's flat roof and has multiple... Uh, has a low roof area and a high roof area. So both of those really contribute to the overall experience and that I do enjoy. Another another thing that really sort of grabbed my attention, um, actually one of the first pictures I looked at of this um, house, is the sort of lime yellow um, front door that it has and it's non-traditional front door either so it doesn't hinge if you have a rectangle door it doesn't hinge off the side the hinge is actually sort of inset in the door so that one end of it sort of a little bit of it swivels out and personally I find that color wise and design wise fascinating so whether or not I agree that the doorknob that was used, or the circular door handle that looks almost like a filled-in steering wheel, I can't agree with that necessarily. I think it's definitely an interesting choice that was made. Well, I do understand that that's probably a... Yeah, that, that's probably a very expensive house to have. I do think... And especially considering pool, um, all the custom stuff, um, and an elevator. Yes, it's expensive, but it's also architecture. 
And I guess one of the reoccurring themes that I've mentioned is that when I look at some when I look at something in this podcast, I'm not I don't like just looking at buildings. I look at architecture. And I'm not going to waste my time and yours talking about something that's just a building or just a house. So while this may be out of price range for many of us, it is a piece of architecture because it is foster it's fostering connections with its landscape. It's not just a building that was put there. Everything about it was designed with purpose. And that's what that's really what sets it apart. It isn't facing the way that it is because every other house on its street is facing the way that it is. It's doing it because that what that's what was right for that building. Now, I know I just had a very delightful discussion about a uh, house, but sometimes there are unpleasant things that happen and well the unpleasant thing i'm talking about is the recent hack of the washington dc police department and this one really caught my attention because it is one of the worst ransomware attacks yet So, normally on a lot of the ransomware attacks, you're told either pay up or you lose your data. Well, this ransomware attack is a little bit different. Instead of hand us money or say goodbye to your data, it's hand us money or we leak your informants. And yes, it's that bad. So, the hackers, which I believe are called Babook Group, um, went and stole roughly 250 gigabytes of data from the police department. And the reason I'm including the size of the data there is for a very good reason. Basic documents don't take up a heck of a lot of room. So, I can put countless Word documents or PDFs, albeit PDFs without a lot of images, but I could put a lot of files into just one gigabyte. For the document types, if I, if I had... My four gigabyte um, USB drive that I fir- my that was my very first USB drive. If I had only been putting documents on there, I think I could have made it all the way through middle and high school without an issue. If I had only put um, documents with text type information and maybe occasional graphs and tables. Now. That's 250 gigabytes of data with, uh, with quite a few records. And that includes officer um, dossiers, 
a lot of personally identifiable information, all the HR records, and information about their informants. And the big threat that's been given is that if the police department does not talk with the group of hackers, then informant data gets leaked to criminal groups. And that's not good. As a matter of fact, that's especially bad. So, where am I going with this? Well, first, they're not the first government agency to get um, broken into, and probably won't be the last. Usually, um, a lot of these things happen because the technology systems that governments use are not 112% up to date. So, that's the uh, world in which we live. You don't, unfortunately, some people aren't kind enough to be running the latest and the greatest, and also, depending on it, it takes a little bit of money. But Windows, and most government systems will end up using Windows computers because they're inherently cheaper to get um, decent equipment. Um, but Windows 10 has been around for probably around, what, six years now? Um, albeit it's been getting its updates over time, but it's been around for six years. So I know that there are systems that are probably older than that still in use, but hopefully that can all change. And when I say all change, I mean um, running later security fixes. And big area where I'm going is make sure that your security definitions are up to date. So the most common, and I know um, as a user of Windows computers myself, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the uh, Windows updates that happen. But quite a few of them have security patches in them, so they're kind of important. So missing out on the security patches is how something that's known to be a loophole that can be used by hackers can be fixed on your computer. So it's basically like saying, um, if you have, let's say you have a padlock on your tool shed and the company says, um, if you go and Oops, we recognize that this is super easy to um, pick. There's a easy little trick that's been found that basically makes it take like 12 seconds to break into this. Now, um, if you take 20 minutes out of your life, we'll replace the lock with something that's less hard to pick. So at that point, you get to choose your sort of poison. And there's a lawnmower. So where I'm going with all of this is that over time, things happen, people get hacked, but never undervalue cybersecurity because um, paying 
I can guarantee you right now, paying someone a hundred grand a year to try and make sure that this doesn't happen is more than worth it. Because I can tell you right now, if any of those informants' uh, details get leaked to criminal groups, I know they're not just going to say, oh, this guy's an informant, how nice. No. That's usually the um, guess who shows up in the uh, river the next morning. And personally, I could find that worth a team of cybersecurity experts to protect. The next thing I'd like to talk about is, um, and hopefully I talk about this in a couple of years as an architecture piece, but Apple's um, working on a new campus. And I believe it's supposed, yeah, it's supposed to open up in North Carolina. Time and date has not yet been announced, but they're basically estimating about a thousand, excuse me, one billion dollars to get that up and running. And how it ends up turning out is probably going to be interesting. I know they're estimating to have about 3,000 jobs created, which would be definitely interesting. And really, I, I can't think of, or I can't wait to see what they're going to do architectural-wise. I know it's not going, there's no way they're going to beat Apple Park, but then again, this isn't supposed to be Apple Park. This is supposed to be the um, East Core, East Coast, East Coast component for Apple. And with the uh, talking about that, I don't I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because there isn't a terrible lot of details, but. It's just another way for them to create jobs and another way for them to create some good architecture, which is what I like. When architecture and technology combine, life is amazing. Now, last thing I want to talk about today is the fact that Sony has now patented an artificial intelligence system that can play games for you. And not only play games for you, but learn how you play the games and play them. Now, this gets just a little bit interesting because um, if you look at it one way, playing video games and having something else that's really doing the work for you doesn't doesn't mean you're actually playing them. The other thing about... Um, this in the little article was that um, achievements earned by the AI will be tagged as such. So basically don't say, oh, I'll set the AI and have it play um, all the video games so I can say, oh, look at all the achievements I got. No, it'll, it will appropriately tag the, if you, oh, you've been playing for this, you've played this game 
and reached this level. These these uh, trophies were all earned by the AI, and you're supposed to be able to go back and actually earn them yourself if you want as well. But, um, does that mean we're going to stop playing video games and instead watch our computers play video games for us? I don't think that's going to happen in the future. So, what I think we should expect is that there will be ways so that, let's say, you have to take care of something quickly, and you actually ha you absolutely have to step away from what you're doing. You can do it without necessarily worrying about losing your spot because God knows that there are a ton of different um, video games that you can't exactly pause. So some of them you have to actually keep playing or. But not, or else you lose your spot. So maybe in those situations, you hit the key to tell the AI to take over while you make sure that your house isn't burning down and or the kids haven't decided to uh, do something that's going to require a quick trip to the hospital. I'd say it's a pretty safe bet to say that this, uh, it'll be a cute little feature to have and if people don't like it then they just don't have to use it simple as that now before I call it quits for the day I want to quickly mention that this has been for me a very interesting week it's been or I, I know I've had quite an interesting last couple of days which um I'm not going to take the time to talk about, but take my word for it, they were interesting. So, overall, if you have, if as long as you have a house to um, sleep in and food to keep you hungry, I think you're doing pretty good. But if you get the chance to uh, see a house that's actually architecture, then go for it, and. Hopefully, someday in the future, we will be able to bring architecture to the house. And not only to the house, but to the main... I'm hoping someday we'll be able to bring architecture to the house. And when I say that, I mean bringing architecture to the mainstream house. So that instead of the majority of people who own homes living in just another home, each one is living in a home of its own so two houses next to each other don't look like the same thing they all look different and I think that's fascinating just just think about a neighborhood where every single house is special and unique and each one has something special or, I used that word already each one has its own characteristic to offer. So Joe's house doesn't feel like your house with a different paint job and um, different color furniture. And so hopefully someday we'll be able to have that. So if you enjoyed this episode of Charles Weekly Part T, by all means, please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you go to anchor.fm slash 
Charles Weekly Partee. You can listen to all previous episodes of the podcast as well as linking up to wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can also, on Anchor, interact by leaving a voice message, or you can also support the podcast. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review if you enjoyed it so that others can get your get your perspective on or get your party on how much you've enjoyed the podcast. And if you want to see me talk, then by all means you can go onto YouTube and watch it there. So I'm Charles. That's been my party for the week. Take care and roll the outro. Thank you.